Welcome to a throwback edition of the Social Flight Live podcast, where we feature a special past episode that stood out from all the rest. Join our live broadcast every Tuesday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern at socialflightlive.com. Social Flight is brought to you by Aspen Avionics, Avidyne, Bose Aviation, Continental Aerospace Technologies, Lightspeed Aviation, Massimo Mighty Sat, Tempest Aero Group, and Whip Air. And now, here's your host, Jeff Simon. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Social Flight Live. I'm Jeff Simon. We have a great show for you tonight. Tyson Wise is here from Four Flight. It's going to be an amazing show. As we get started, I'd just like to give you, as always, a couple uh, quick things about what's happening locally, what's happening around all of general aviation here as we see it through Social Flight. One quick thing here first is here with the Social Flight family. I am happy to report that uh, Ben Simon, son number two, has completed his uh, his solo cross-country flight and his journey to getting his private pilot's license. And uh, as part of that, we're going to be getting a second T-shirt for him. I'll show you this. This is what we did uh, recently when Jake did the same thing. Um, it's from uh, wildbluegear.com. My son did his solo cross-country, and all I got was his T-shirt. So a uh, cute little thing. Uh, if you, you know, I'll tell you this, uh, um, uh, nothing, no real connection here between this site, but I love it. Wild Blue Gear, uh, the Rex over there uh, is just a, a young man that's come out with some pretty cool things where you can put in your local airport and destinations and anything personal about you and create these, uh, this, all this custom gear. And so it's been fun and kind of a, a, a nice little thing to do here uh, at the house. Now, uh, also through social flight, one of the things, let me turn on the um, uh, little view here. One of the things, of course, is that we get a really good view into what's happening around general aviation through all of the events and destinations and, and things that people are adding to the system, tens of thousands of events. And so uh, what we are continuing to see is a rise in general aviation coming out of the crisis slowly, step by step. And even against the uh, backdrop of the seasons starting to change, um, at least for us here in New England, uh, and some of the really challenging weather situations that, of course, have been happening uh, um, through both the fires on the West Coast and the um, uh, hurricanes in the Southeast, we are still seeing amazing strength in general aviation and growth happening there. And um, we're just happy to see that against the backdrop of safe, safe social distancing and uh, everyone trying to do their best to participate in general aviation as that happens. And um, another thing that's uh, really important is of course, you know, we created the, everything about social flight, socialflight.com, the free social flight mobile apps are just about getting people to fly and giving you a mission. And so everything that we have done is surrounding this concept of the why that you fly. And I am so, so thrilled to welcome tonight's guest, uh, Tyson Wise, because, you know, while social flight may be about the why you fly and finding your mission and your destination, for most of the pilots out there, the how you get there and the uh, means of doing that is done through for flight and, uh, and because of, of Tyson. And so um, um, what I'd like to do is uh, uh, welcome him to the show. Uh, you know, Tyson is an entrepreneur and co-founder and CEO of Four Flight, the market-leading provider of critically acclaimed 
uh, integrated flight applications. Uh, in, it, since its founding, and this goes back to 2007, and we'll learn more about this um, uh, in that time, their company has grown into a multinational operation. They've got offices in the United States and Europe. They serve personal business, military, and commercial flight operations around the world. And uh, as many of us know, they were acquired by Boeing through Jefferson in 2019. Um, just a couple of things that you may not know this year in 2020, Tyson and Jason, uh, the co two co-founders of Four Flight, um, uh, will be inducted into the Texas Aviation Hall of Fame and receive the Godfrey Cabot Award uh, from the Aero Club of New England for making a unique, significant, and unparalleled contribution to the advance uh, to advance and foster aviation. Tyson serves on the boards of the Smithsonian National Air and Space Museum, the General Aviation Manufacturers Association, GAMA, where he chairs Flight Operations and Policy Committee, and the NBAA Advisory Board. He's an active instrument and type-rated multi-engine pilot. Welcome, Tyson. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, glad to be here. Thanks for putting this together. Uh, and I, I really it's the four-flight team, really, that's made all this possible. So I'd love to take credit for it, but man, we've got a really great team behind us that makes it all happen. I and and I'll I'll back that up too because you know we've all spent time at the shows getting to meet uh, at least the part of your team that that you let out <laughs> that you let travel to the show and get inundated by people at Sun and Fun and Air Venture and it it seems like your booth is just stacked like uh, it's four five six people deep. To get to get questions answered, and I'm sure that most of those people are requesting new features. Well, we love we love being there. I mean, the, you know, the shows are a big part of. I mean, they they generate so much energy, right? And we love being out and uh, visiting with customers and, and putting on um, a lot of the seminars that we do. Disappointed that we haven't been able to be out there as much, uh, you know, this year, given everything that is going on around us. Um, but uh, the shows are great. I mean, you know, like what you do in terms of uh, you know creating opportunities for pilots to be social and get out and and fly missions, you know, being at the shows is is a big part of, you know, the industry and just life of being a pilot. Yeah, I mean, you know, ultimately we're we're a social crowd. Uh that that we 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 love the idea we may fly without all our seats filled and, and spend a lot of time in the air that way, but we're always going somewhere where it's so wonderful to to be next to another pilot looking at looking at something, maybe checking out an aircraft and and those conversations strike up and, and you wind up with relationships that may last forever. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, one of the biggest things that we uh, reflect on uh, for flight in our history is the journey and the experience, right? I mean, the things that um, the, the team has uh, gotten to do by being part of the team uh, and, and working on the products where, you know, we build across all the different markets is just uh, given, you know, the team members lots of opportunity to go out and experience things that, uh, you know, may, they may not have had the opportunity to do otherwise, right? So, um, enjoy the journey, enjoy the enjoy the flight out there. Absolutely. So let let's go back in time and give people a little bit uh, of a taste of how how this came to be. I mean, you go back to to tell me, take me back to how you got started, what generated the the idea, and then how you you made it through those early Wild West days of uh, of mobile devices and and, and app growth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the Genesis was really um, two projects that uh, one I had uh, created and another that my co-founder, Jason Miller, and his wife had, had created, uh, originally called Four Flight, the desktop application. And uh, he and I met online in 2006 and uh, said, hey, we need to uh, marry these two things together and allow our, our users to enjoy both of the things that we had built. And so that was the beginning of our 
collaboration. I had a you know web-based product um, for look, really simple looking up METARs and weather around the local area. And for those pilots that were around, you know, in 2007 or flying back back then, you know, we had a, an array of different tools that uh, we used. You and I were catching up on some of the you know, technologies that existed before, you know, iPad and uh, and apps and, and that sort of uh, stuff. But we had these two applications and we uh, married them together and uh, got to know one another a bit more uh, and agreed that we wanted to collaborate on something. And so, uh, you know, really what we were trying to do early on is build a better better version of AirNav, really, right? Because that was a site that we all used, you know, back then. And we really liked this fuel computer, this trip computer that they had on the website. It was buried down in the bottom right-hand corner. So we said, well, why don't we just, you know, sort of reorganize some of that stuff? And while we were thinking about designs for, um, you know, building a better mousetrap, if you will, the iPhone was announced. And that was February of 2007. Uh, and it wasn't until the summer that the iPhone came out. But when the iPhone did come out, uh, even though we didn't really uh, intend on rushing as a store to get one, I happened to be in the mall in Houston and shot by an Apple store and uh, saw a big stack there and slid to unlock a phone. It was just like, oh my God, this is this is really amazing. And I had a you know, Blackberry and a Palm Trio at the time. And uh, those were just sort of instantly uh, you know, dinosaurs, right? I mean, the, the world had just changed overnight with the release of the iPhone. And we decided in a week to take the project that we had done and convert that over to a web application that would run in the iPhone's browser. Because in 2007, the app store didn't exist. So there, uh, the only way, thing you could do is build little apps that ran in a really small window. Uh, and that's what we started with. And uh, that garnered us some early customers. We, uh, we put a paywall up and started charging uh, you know, a subscription for that. Uh, then Apple invited us into their app directory, which is the precursor to the app store. It was just a list of all the things you could run in the phone's browser. And that led to a relationship with Apple, where they invited us into the developer program in 2008, introduced us to their development kit, and then introduced us to this new business model, which is uh, the ability to distribute software through the App Store. And that was really groundbreaking back in 2008, because when you wrote software, the way that you distributed it was, you know, you might put it on your website, you might put it on CDs and ship it out, you might stick it in a, you know, a magazine and in a CD insert, or get, uh, you know, uh, the, the app. Uh, in a box on a shelf in, in some computer store. Um, so all sorts of different ways to distribute software and Apple just streamlined all that. So not only provided a marketplace for it, connected to lots of users adopting their software, uh, but it enabled you to um, easily uh, charge for that software uh, as well. And so we got invited to, to the Apple development program. We were one of the first 500 apps in the app store. We developed a following there and then you know, really what I tell uh, tell uh, people when we're telling the story of ForeFlight is we were really fortunate to be at a time when then there was just a string of disruptions, right? And the disruptions were the iPhone was invented, right? And the next disruption was the App Store, which is a new way of distributing software. So you have the new computing platform and a new distribution uh, mechanism. So uh, those disruptions really created a foundation for growth and we really grew along with the uh, growth in Apple devices. So as Apple would add new devices, that would bring in new waves of customers as they added new carriers, that would bring new customers to the iPhone. And then of course the iPad came out in 2010 and we all know the, uh, the you know, role that that has in, uh, in our lives today as aviators for a lot of us. Um, and, that, and that again unlocked a whole other wave of disruption that really transformed uh, the things that we use in the cockpit, right? I mean, before, um, you know, the iPhone and the iPad, we had lots of things in the airplane. We had little green books, the AFD that the um, FAA produced and sectional charts and 
flight guide and I mean just an array of different uh, things that we buy and that has really just gotten collapsed into, into one thing and so so those were important disruptions and then other disruptions after that ADSB a big um, you know game changer for all of us that fly and I remember in you know, 2010, 2011, and 2012, when that was emerging, you know, we, we hadn't really wrapped our heads around it. Uh, and then we, uh, you know, I'd say we pivoted and we focused on, you know, building one of the first battery powered ADSB receivers. And, uh, you know, looking back, you know, had that, had we not adopted that innovation, you know, we wouldn't be where we are today, right? So, um, you know, I think we were, um, you know, Fortunately, super ambitious and hungry, and um, you know, willing to you know invest in just building cool things for pilots on top of all these innovations, and attract a really great team of people to help us build all the things that we are uh, we have built for all the different markets that we serve, uh, and that ultimately created um, sort of you know what we are today. And in 2016, we did a deal with Garmin where we were. Uh, partner them on interfacing with our avionics. So, you know, we help, um, you know, usher in some of those innovations and then leverage some of the innovations that, um, you know, Garmin has released to customers as well. Uh, and then we partnered with um, Jefferson in 2016 to build a uh, next generation application for the commercial flight deck. And that's how, uh, you know, we got in, really introduced and built a relationship uh, with the Jefferson and, and the Boeing teams. But that's really sort of a thumbnail sketch of, you know, how we got from A to B. It was just, you know, fortunate to be working on a project at a time when a new computing platform got dropped on us that was, you know, really well adopted. And then another computing platform got a drop, you know, dropped on us in 2010 and 2011. That's just continued to advance and deliver innovations that we can use to um, create new features that pilots love, like taking advantage of, gra- of, the, of the, you know, the, the advances in graphics processors to really deliver sort of unparalleled mapping and 3D experiences uh, and, and the like. And so, um, you know, that's uh, really part of our culture is searching out and looking for these technologies that we can assemble uh, in interesting ways that um, deliver great experiences to customers and and uh, help them you know, be safer and be more productive and just have a lot of fun uh, right. doing it. Well, it seems to me like, I mean, even in the story that you're telling, you're, you're pretty you're pretty humble about it because the reality is, A, your, your timing was unbelievable and has remained unbelievable with every new innovation that's happened in technology. Part of what seems to make that timing so perfect is certainly not just luck. You consistently at ForeFlight bet on the right horse. There's, there seems to, tell me about like, how, how do you do that? That you figure out, okay, it's we're going to stick with uh, Apple. We're not going to you're not going to go over to Android. We're going to there's certain there's been lots of different things that have come to the general aviation market. And, and some of them were fringe. Uh, some of them were were came to all of technology and were fringe. But some actually seemed like they might have legs. Um, you didn't bet on the wrong horse. Uh, those things that you actually didn't partner with never actually went anywhere. I haven't seen you play catch up. Yeah, you know, I mean, we've probably paid catch up in, in various areas. I mean, I think all of us in the market look at what one another is doing and find ways to, you know, get inspiration from or, or, or innovate uh, on top of that. And I think, um, you know, looking back to, you know, how did we make the decisions that we made? And again, I go back to the team, like the folks that were in the room um, debating uh, those things that we should do. I think, um, you know, having you know a really strong group of uh, team members, you know, you know at, at the table involved in those discussions has really helped us. 
evaluate those things and, and pick what we want to do. I, I would say that also we were really bound in some respects by constraints, right? I think you know, one of the things that Jason and I will say is that you know, constraints are really healthy for a business because they uh, you know, force you to do things in ways that um, you might not have done if you had uh, unlimited resources. And, and one of the things, one of the advantages that we had is you know, we never took venture capital, right? And so we weren't really forced to try to find a bunch of paths that may have worked out and spend money on those and find that they um, uh, didn't pan out. But by having constraints and growing within our means, um, that really helped us um, focus on things that um, uh, you know we thought we could really generate a return on, right? And the other is we were constrained by our interests, right? Like what were we really interested in? You know, we loved, for example, people always ask, you know, when Android, right? And 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 we've really loved building on the iOS platform and. Um, we really didn't have the resources to go out and uh, expand into other platforms. And even when we had the resources to do that, we thought, you know, gosh, man, we would have to invest, you know, what we've invested. If we look at like just the sum of the R and D dollars we spent over, <laughs> over 15 years, I mean, it's a massive number. It's tens of millions of dollars in R and D investment, you know, over that decade. And, you know, we go, gosh, well, how would we you know, replicate that? You know, we have done some things uh, going on to other platforms on the commercial side because there were platforms that were uh, you know highly adopted there that um, you know we've had the teams had to invest in building things that work on on both platforms and some of the foundational technologies for that. But yeah, you know, the the the, the decision making and the judgment and the excitement really drove us to what we wanted to focus on. The constraints meant that we you know focused our dollars where we could get the get the highest uh, highest returns. And there's certainly lots of other things, you know, we would love to pursue, but constraints, um, constraints focus you on that. Um, and, you know, anytime that we're building something and we're also thinking about, you know, how do we, how do we, uh, you know, earn value for that uh, and uh, use that to reinvest in the product. And, uh, and fortunately, um, you know, one of the things we were uh, able to do really early on is build enough of the subscriber base that generated enough cash to really reinvest in the business and then reinvest as much of that as possible, um, all sort of guided by what are some really cool things we can do for pilots that they'll like, what are things that we'll do, we can build for ourselves that will make our lives better. Uh, and, you know, various members of the team will get up and really, you know, advocate for some particular feature that, you know, will, will help them out. I mean, I remember, you know, uh, advocating, for example, for, you know, things in our hazard advisor technology, because flying around in Houston and the haze with, you know, 2,200 foot towers all over the place. And I was like, wow, you know, you look up one day after being heads down and go, wow, that's a really tall tower in front of me. Um, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd like to not have that experience again. So let's, um, you know, let's uh, build some things that uh, prevent those sorts of accidents from happening, right? Or look at where, uh, you know, pilots have had challenges over the years and uh, try to innovate and build things uh, for that. For example, you know, we added the ability to do um, for piston and turboprop airplanes, V-speed calculation, takeoff speeds, takeoff distances, because there are instances where people, you know, run off the runway or, um, you know, miscalculate the uh, impacts of density altitude and things like that. And so we keep finding ways to build uh, things into the, into the application that hopefully will save uh, somebody some heartache uh, at some point and um, help them get to, you know, all of these answers they need to calculate for every flight a lot more, a lot more quickly. So that was a long answer to your question, but, um, you know, ultimately it's um, constraints, passionate team members uh, who've got really, I think, really sound judgment in uh, what they will like themselves and what therefore customers will like.
Well, I can definitely say you've made some some very good decisions. As someone who who, <laughs> who runs a company with mobile apps that also run on Android, I can tell you uh, there's a bit of a nightmare when, as as you as you alluded to, everyone's got a different Android device, and uh, there's a whole, it's a whole different world on iOS. And and I think focusing your company in that direction, um, yeah. it, it it certainly makes a lot of sense, especially with the complexity and the power of the things that you're dealing with and and the lives at stake. Uh, when someone's navigating using that. Now, one of the things in the areas that, that it's one thing about kind of timing and, and betting on the right horse, uh, there, you weren't the only player in the game uh, at many points. You still aren't, but, but even at that, or those early days before there was critical mass, it seemed uh, like anyone could have won that, that race. And one of the key differences seems to be that in the same way that, iOS has a very uh, strong user interface design, uh, a very sim- simple and, and has guidelines and ways of going about that. From the very beginning, ForeFlight has been very uh, clear and simple and had design guidelines that make sense. Where did that come from? Yeah, I mean, I have to give a lot of credit to you know Jason and our design team, right? I mean, uh, a really great um sense of style and aesthetic and um, just sort of some foundational principles in um, software that we want to use ourselves. Right. And uh, I think there's, um, you know, somewhat of an uncompromising approach to uh, really great design. Right. And um, that's been uh, a tenant from the very beginning. You know, Jason's got phenomenal design skills and uh, was the Photoshop expert and, um, uh, you know, bringing his judgment to bear on uh, what we built um, really shaped that. And then we invested uh, really early on in a, in a in a design team, right? And we found, you know, uh, that the return on our investment in really strong uh, design team members, led by Ryan McBride and his team of folks that designed for uh, various markets, um, was you know re- a really important uh, differentiator in investment. Uh, and going back to constraints and you know dollars and what you spend money on, we as you know business leaders and entrepreneurs have to decide where every nickel goes because everything is a bet, right? And we found by investing in really great design, we were, we were actually more productive as a company because developers uh, in our in the early days, you know, I, I think we would uh, whipsaw some of our development team by um, you know drawing something out and sketching it, and they'd go build it, and then we'd want to change it, and they'd pull their hair out, you know, and we wanted it to look a little bit differently, and so. Design really brought a lot of order to um, how we built applications, right? And so when we go to build something, we, we do that with the, the design, um, you know, maybe 80% of the way there. And then we, um, we, we experiment with the ergonomics and see how we like it and whether or not the designers are targeted. We adjust those sorts of things over time. But in terms of how we, I think, ultimately went back and wrote the story of ForeFlight and how we um, ended up, you know, on top, uh, you know, when there was a, you know, an array of different companies building apps. I mean, Bendix King and Honeywell, and I mean, lots of companies were, were at the table there. Um, it's one, we locked onto it really early. And I think, you know, as you grow as a company, um, you look at the things that you can invest in. And sometimes you look at uh, new innovations and, you know, maybe discount them and not put enough energy into those early on. And those become you know, dilemmas, you know, later. And then you know, there's books written about the subject, right? And so we were just, that was all we knew. And every dollar of revenue we, na- we made was a new dollar. And that was exciting, right? We made $100 a day. That was awesome. If we were part of a bigger company, they might not have thought that was so awesome, right? Um, at that point in time. And so, you know, we had this 
um, sense of urgency. We knew we had big competitors who were going to move quickly. Uh, we knew that, um, you know, from business school days, first mover is not a long-term competitive, you know, sustainable competitive advantage, right? And so you have to get beyond the first mover to some, you know, level of, um, uh, you know, the level of altitude, you know, use an aviation analogy in order to um, sustain, sustain flight, right? Um, and so we have that sense of urgency. Um, again, we really invested in building a team because the only way you can build all the stuff that we're building is you have lots of uh, you know, really great team members that can build things in parallel, right? And we've got all these different manufacturing lines running. They're producing code and landing things at different times. And I think in some regards, we invested earlier in our team uh, and we invested in some really important partnerships along the way. Right? We invested, um, we had a partnership with AOPA very early on, which gave us a big tailwind. Uh, we've had a great relationship with Sporties for a very long time. And, uh, you know, we, they've been a really great partner in supporting us. And, um, you know, a lot of our early successes, um, you know, attributed to the, their contributions, um, you know, helping us market the, the product and the company and the, and the solutions that we put together. So we've, we've had some really great partners along the way um, that um, have contributed to our success. So, uh, and then we, you know, we invested externally in um, sales and marketing and, and really early on um, latching onto, for example, the business aviation market. I remember before we had quit our day jobs, getting a phone call from Walmart who said, hey, we want to, you know, buy iPads for our pilots. And that was 20, you know, 2010, 2011. Uh, and we said, you know, that's interesting. There's a whole market of, uh, business aviation customers that are going to buy differently. And we invest in the commerce systems for that. And we built up a sales team and we have sales team members you know, focused on different regions of the country and different segments. And so, you know, building that team gives you the ability to go out and be with customers and get more intelligence and take that intelligence and bring it back to the product. So we had a bigger intelligence network out there. We had, a, I think, probably a larger team. Uh, and that team was really, really productive. Um, and, uh, we just never, I think, even to this day, have lost sight that um, you know, competition can come from anywhere and you have to operate with a sense of urgency and keep your, uh, you know, pedal, uh, uh, pedal to the metal and, uh, and keep moving because uh, disruption can come from anywhere. Right. Well, it makes a lot of sense. And, and, you know, you and I were both obviously back in the early days when I was at VistaNav and we were uh, creating those products at the same time. And you mentioned the corporate market. Now that that was a that was a really really challenging market of EF you know EFBs at the time electronic flight bags and where the regulations were going from the FAA to be able to sell to the corporate market and and even beyond that uh, as well during the time it sounds like you you really put a lot of of your percentage of investment into R and D and especially into that design team so like you could do that. How, how did you figure that out? How do you determine, you know, how much you were going to continue to, you know, eat ramen noodles and, and, and make that investment <laughs> in R and D and design so that, so, so you can bet on where those things are going. Cause like you said, it's one thing for part, for part 91 pilots to be able to use this all over the place. But if you're going and targeting corporate and then eventually a commercial, um, there's a lot of regulation around that. Yeah. So regarding the regulation, I think that's one of the constraints that we applied, right? Which is we always wanted to stay on the uh, non-certified, uh, non-highly regulated um, side of what we did, because you know we we have friends in the certified world, and um, it's a you know it's a, it's a different DNA. You sort of have to grow up in that world and understand uh, all the all the dynamics there. So we really stayed on this side of it. Uh, up to a point, um, and then we had to go, you know, for certain markets seek operational approvals and, and get into some of those things that influence policy. That's when we joined Gamma. Was when we realized, okay, 
uh, we've got to um, we've got to play a different game here, and we're going to get into uh, different markets. I mean, how we um, I think got into um, yeah, I think how we realized that design was so important was you know Ryan McBride, who was our first designer, he's our head of our design, came to us and said, you know, hey, I'm a pilot, love your product, looking for a new gig, uh, and you know, we brought him in uh, as a as a contractor for a while, uh, and then realized, wow, you know, we're getting a lot of uh, ROI on having these uh, designs really well put together and have a process and, a, and a, an approach and practice for, for that. And so we started expanding our design team um, and we want to expand that more, right? Because um, it really helps you explore um, the edges. And, and, and one thing that's, you know, really great about talented designers is um, they have to really think about what all, all the requirements are and they have to explore all the dark corners of the user experience and think about how things interact. And so, um, you know, we really learned that you've got to, provide sort of time to explore those different avenues. And, you know, sometimes we get frustrated because we'd want things, you know, leaders always want things to happen faster than they happen. Right. And so um, you go, well, why are we exploring that? And you realize that the fact, well, we explored a path that we didn't go down. Uh, and that was really important in developing our, our understanding. So I think it's been a, a process of maturing and, um, you know, seeing the value in that, but, you know, forever I will, um, you know, in, 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 in ventures I'm involved in will, um, you know, make sure that's a key component of, of um, the development process because it, um, it really helps you focus and um, uh, use your dollars wisely. Do you do a, a lot of A-B testing of the things or how, is it all uh, very kind of uh, visionary based on, on the designers that you have and their expertise and, and the approach you're taking or, or is a lot of it done through experimentation and testing? That's evolved. I think early on we said, no, no AB and testing. We'll just, you know, we'll use it. We'll figure out uh, what we like and then we'll go with that. Right. And that's evolved over time uh, to include um, various amounts of things you mentioned, like, uh, you know, example of an AB test where you're really trying to experiment. And does this work or does this other thing work? Um, you know, we did some of that early on and found very little differences. And as we've gone on, we've employed that in more areas, like, for example, what works in terms of promotions or commerce or pricing or things like that. That's where we get some really good data on, you know, where are um, people's um, interest in, you know, uh, adopting premium tiers or, or things of that nature. Uh, the design team does a lot more user experience testing these days where they'll, they'll sit down and they'll show different concepts and have tabletop exercises with uh, customers uh, and test designs on them. Um, so that, you know, you could call that a variant of A-B testing, but really, really, really what they're doing is they're, they're bringing concepts to customers directly and saying, you know, which of these things sorts of uh, make sense. So I say we really evolved um, the, uh, the tools in our design suite that we're using to um, understand and better uh, tar uh, you know, narrow in on the ultimate solution that we need to build. Right. And one other question about design. I mean, the general aviation world, FAA, all of the, everything that is, even if we're, you're not certified, this is a world that's based on refinement. Uh, it, it, it certainly is hit by, as you mentioned, disruption and revolutionary technologies. And then there's a lot of refinement that just constantly is happening. And that is certainly what ForeFlight has done. Um, that said, you're running on a device, an operating system that's not really based on that, that, that makes a lot of churn happen just 
for the heck of it in some cases. I mean, there's a new iOS version that's kind of always coming. Now we like flat icons. Now we want to put 3D back and like all sorts of, now they're going to be around. How do you survive that world or how do you negotiate when you're going to change uh, your design or uh, both? Of course, you always have technologically adapt, but how do you adapt to what Apple's doing? Yeah, so I mean, that's the the nature of the game, right? And the nature of the game is, uh, and, and one of the sayings you know we've said is, yeah, every year Apple tries to kill you, right? And and and, and what and and how is that? And that's well, fast updates operating systems. This year, you know, the new dynamic was uh, have a press conference and release iOS 14 the next day. And the team's like, you know, hold on a second, we used to have a week to do this. Now we've got 24 hours. And so the general theme is light on your feet, right? And you have to expect and plan for and make time for curveballs. And uh, you know, you can you know. Uh, you can hate the player or hate the game, right? But as I say, but that's the game, right? Um, and uh, uh, you just have to react to it and make time for it. And um, if you don't, you, know, you could face um, an, exis- an existential problem, right? And uh, Apple always gives you lots of uh, clues about um, things that you need to do ahead of time. And you know, early on, I think we you know, took you know, fewer of those cues and over time we've said, okay, they're shifting the technology uh, at some point, right? And so if they say, here's a new technology, we think you guys really should look at it, um, you probably should really look at it, right? Um, we've, um, you know, being in the app store and uh, iOS for 13 years, I mean, the, uh, the code has all of those generations of uh, iOS support or has had lots of generations of, you know, older um, technologies and we've had to modernize those over time, right? And so you have to spend a lot more of your, time as their your features uh, expand and um, you progress through time, uh, you're cutting ties with old stuff or cleaning it up or modernizing it. Um, and so we have to do a fair bit of that as well. So um, invest time and money in cleaning house uh, and be light on your feet. Yep. Do you, do you find a lot of pressure basically almost from Apple for things that are not necessarily core, but they really do want you to support Apple watches and whatever else the next thing's going to be that may not be your, the prime thing in your wheelhouse. Um, but, uh, but ideally they're really trying to give you a hint. They want everybody there. Yeah. I think, you know, they're really good about encouraging you to take a look at new technologies, right? And they have teams of people who evangelize and um, you know, introduce you to different things. And, you know, they uh, really want to move the state of the art forward. And so uh, you have opportunities to engage and uh, learn more about technologies. And in the case of aviation, um, shape some of the foundational technologies that are in uh, uh, the devices or in the operating system. I mean, Apple loves the aviation market um, and, and vice versa. So uh, there's a collaboration there uh, that exists. Um, but yeah, there, I'd say it's, it's not so much pressure as it is encouragement to uh, look at things that they're adding and think about how those can affect your customer experience. Like the new iPads have a LiDAR in them, right? Um, and so, you know, with LiDAR and AR and where things are heading, you kind of go, okay, I can see how all these things are coming together. And I need to be thinking ahead about what experiences maybe we deliver you know, down the road, right? Like, do you do iPhone or iPad based visual checklists and walk arounds of your airplane where things are popping up in the iPad and pointing to uh, elements on the airplane that you need to be mindful of? while you're um, uh, doing a pre-flight check. Um, those are things that may evolve as the technology evolves. And they're building incrementally towards um, new experiences that uh, you just need to be mindful of. Like the Apple Watch just came out and it's got 
a pulse oximeter, the new one, and an altimeter. Okay, well, that's really great for aviation. Those are two things that a lot of a lot of pilots, you know, need. And so you start thinking about, well, is that uh, an opportunity for us to build you know, something interesting for for that platform? But every time we've sort of followed, um, you know, followed along with platform evolutions, we've done really well with that. Well, that definitely makes a lot of sense. Um, now, ForeFlight is involved in in obviously uh, a number of markets that are that expand beyond general aviation, whether it's business aviation, military, or, or, or any of the other things. Um, how, how have those markets uh, either supported general aviation or, or what's happening in terms of how does general aviation fit in with all the other businesses that you're expanding into? Yeah, I'd say in, in every market that we've gone to, um, another market has contributed to the success of that or vice versa, right? Um, there are things that we build for the military that come down to uh, or come over to uh, business or general aviation and vice versa. There are things we build for the commercial market um, that are really advanced technologies on the Boeing side that you know, we'll um, see and have seen you know, come into fourth flight as well. Right. And so, um, yeah, I very much have a view that, you know, supporting pilots of all types flying all types of airplanes in all regions will um, help us um, get outside of our comfort zone and expand and build technologies to help uh, support them, right? And as as we have evolved in our own uh, respective lives, uh, meaning individuals on on the leadership team and in lead positions, those experiences have really influenced the product. And I can, you know, I know that you know we we took a trip as a leadership team to the Bahamas one year and we flew around and we could you know realize you know we need to understand more about you know, customs and border control, uh, you know, uh, CB, uh, CDP sorts of uh, operations. Um, we have team members who do, you know, seaplane and float flying. And so they go, well, we need to understand, like, you know, we need to have better waterways and better lake depictions and better labeling and better, you know, locations for that. We have pilots that do mountain flying, and that's really influenced um, how terrain looks in the application. We recently added mountain passes and, you know, peak uh, labels and all sorts of other content. Uh, and some of that uh, was was influenced by our entry into the European market, where it's mostly VFR flying, right? I mean, getting an instrument rating in Europe is um, a very difficult thing to do, very expensive and time-consuming, and uh, a lot of pilots don't do that, so they fly VFR. Well, there's great technologies in Europe uh, that we've developed and brought those back into the U.S. Like we have graphical notums in our European market. We have a great product there called the GA Forecast, which gives you uh, a regional depiction of of weather imagery there. Uh, and we did a lot of stuff with airspace labeling to support the European market, right? So um, all of those markets have helped us grow in weight and they cross pollinate, right? And so, you know, customers will say, well, why don't you focus more, you know, on, you know, my problems, right? And um, we're, you know, we're trying to solve, you know, problems for pilots in all walks of life, but they all benefit from the uh, work we've had to do in those, uh, in those other markets. Absolutely. Is, it, is there any way to estimate kind of percentages of what part of your company is working in different areas or, uh, I mean, really, it, what what role is it, or how big is the perception of GA at at ForeFlight versus some of these other markets? Yeah, I mean, we're fundamentally uh, a GA focused consumer uh, consumer business, right? I mean, the vast majority of our revenue comes from our individual uh, owners and operators, uh, and so that's uh, on our mind every time we build new features, right? Um, we uh, try to strike a balance between. You know, what things are we investing a lot of money into and therefore need to make part of, you know, some premium package? But are we delivering something to um, all of our customers uh, with every release? And so that's an active discussion that the team always has, which is, 
you know, um, you know, what can we partition where uh, to make sure that we have, you know, good headroom to reinvest in the business? And then how do we deliver new things to, you know, every, uh, every bit of our customer base. But in terms of, you know, you know percentage of, uh, of uh, folks on different markets, yeah, we, we can't estimate that. Um, a lot of our uh, markets, like the military, for example, ride on a lot of the th things that we're doing for individual pilots, right? Now, there's some, uh, there's a set of features that are unique to them, uh, like our GA customers don't need to know when exactly they need to be over a specific point in time, you know, by, you know at a second interval to do something interesting. Well, the military customers need to have those sorts of capabilities. And they have all sorts of different charts that they use as well. And so we've had to build technologies that improve our ability to render a really complex uh, charting product, but that translates into better performance for um, the, uh, uh, the, the core uh, customer base. Um, but, uh, you know, I'd, I'd be guessing off the top of my head if I knew exactly what percentage uh, goes to what market, but there's a lot of cross sharing between, between those and a common core across them. Right. So um, you've got obviously a, a, a huge growth now that's that's happened with your partnership with uh, Boeing and Jefferson as part of Boeing. And um, how is that uh, uh, affecting and, and helping uh, your business? Yeah, I mean, one of the ways immediately is Boeing has a worldwide footprint and channel. Right. And so we now uh, instead of having a, a sales team of you know X number of people, we have a sales team of 100 X that. Right. And so, um, you know, we're. For example, Boeing's been super helpful is in our uh, growth in the military markets, right? I mean, they have relationships with every military around the planet, right? And so, um, you know, Four Flights now part, part of the portfolio, so that gets included in uh, presentations, and uh, that gives customers around the world the confidence that um, you know, that's a product that uh, they can incorporate into their operation. So you know, that's one aspect. Um, they, they know a lot about, you know, building machines uh, and have a lot of, uh, you know, data around those. And that, that uh, comes into some of the products, uh, some of the enhancements that we're making as well. They've got, a, they've got the best data set on the planet. Uh, and so we're bringing that data set and we have been bringing elements of that, those data sets into the application to help uh, our customers worldwide. And so it may not be apparent looking at the features that we're building, uh, our, what, what is powered um, from our relationship, but there's a lot of things going both directions uh, that will help us deliver more innovations uh, down the road. And there's investments they're making in other markets that will benefit from uh, and vice versa. So those are just a couple of the highlights that um, we get to leverage um, as a result of being in the family. And then, you know, some of our team members get to work on really cool things um, related to, uh, you know, new products and new machines that the company uh, is building so they're you know they're excited about being able, you know being able to particip participate in that sort of development and um, expand their skills and um, uh, experiences as well yeah it, might, it really i mean obviously as ceo of the company it really must be something to be able to pull on those resources at this point and know that again whether it's access to, to data access to all these other things that boeing's doing as well as I would imagine uh, additional engineering resources, additional other resources along the way. Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, it, you know just keeping track of everything is um, uh, an exercise, right? I mean, they're they're building things that go to space, unmanned, you know, seabed, um, uh, you know, new uh, all sorts of flying machines, right? And so whether they're involved in unmanned or you know commercial, you know, all the things that you can sort of read on the on the website, um, yep. but. You know, just you know, keeping track of where there might be opportunities 
is a full-time job or many full-time jobs in and of itself, you know, just coordinating across, across the enterprise. But there's, there's an endless amount of, um, uh, of toys in the, in the toy chest, if you will, to, um, explore. Do you, do you see a, an expansion, uh, in, in the reasonable future where you start to open up to other markets as well, using that technology, considering that Boeing's there and that you have the platform and so many of the things that you do apply to other markets? Yeah, I mean, we're always, you know, we're, we're, we look for new opportunities. Uh, we've got a two-day strategy session coming up over the next couple of days, right? And so we all, we, we talk about all sorts of things where our technology might be useful, maybe in the whole, which is, you know, the whole application taken to new markets or, or pieces of it that um, might be interesting uh, businesses uh, in and of itself. You know, we've got a very rich set of technologies, some of which you could build entire businesses on. And so we, we talk about all sorts of things like that. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we've had uh, uh, certainly for for our viewers that we've got questions coming in, things like that. There's people wondering whether we're going to see Foreflight get involved in marine, whether there's other you know other areas at some point. Because again, you've created a tool set, and and uh, and, and now, uh, especially with Boeing uh, with you uh, um, and behind you, that uh, it, there's a little less of, of a constraint in terms of where you have to focus, as you mentioned from the beginning of the uh, beginning of the show on. Uh, based on your resources. Yeah, I mean, any market we would get into, um, we've got to have some method of entering that that is um, unique that we can build a, uh, and have an advantage on. You know, I mean, if, if we were to say, like, let's go into the marine market. Well, there's lots of stuff in the marine market already, right? So what are you going to do differently that allows you to build a successful business on top of that? Right. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's, that's how we would look at those sorts of things. Um, you know, maybe if uh, half the people on the leadership team buy a boat, we could find ourselves you know, going, yeah, we, 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 want, we want to have weather and charts for uh, nautical uses. Well, there's a lot of overlap there, and there's some foundational technologies that maybe may apply. But we might have to go compete with the four flights of boating, right? And, right. Um, and you know, I think if I was in a position to, to come, you know, compete with the four flight team from a, from, you know, a, 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 a standing start, that would be really tough um, just because of everything that's been built into it. So we look at other markets the same way, which is what do we have that can uh, allow us to enter in some uh, meaningful way that would be different than what's out there. And, mm-hmm. and usually that's, is there a disruption that we can ride, right? What's going to disrupt the incumbents in that market? Right. Well, uh, as, as we said at the beginning of the show, I mean, we have seen at Social Flight a, a pretty, you know, dramatic uh, change throughout the crisis of first uh, a slowdown, of course, within general aviation. And, uh, and, and we did quite a bit of work to try to keep people going, keep uh, these uh, very fragile general aviation businesses going. And now, of course, we're seeing quite a bit of a pickup. What have you seen and what's been your experience at Four Flight regarding COVID-19 and going through this period? Yeah, um, man, I wish I took notes every day on how I was thinking or feeling uh, throughout the, the you know the crisis. But uh, we've we've seen a lot over the past few months. I have a chart you know in front of me right now that I looked at every day, which we call our you know our COVID leading indicators dashboard, which is what's happening um, across you know our business and in the market at large with the data that we can track. And you know March and April were pretty scary times, right? And so uh, we saw a big contraction in activity uh, in March. It sort of troughed at the um, the, at the middle of April, right? And, um, uh, you know, we saw revenue come down uh, in that period, just like, you know, many other companies have seen. And so the question at that point in time is, you know, where's the bottom and, and when are we going to get out of that? Get out of that? Um, you know, I think we went into that, into COVID saying, well, people are going to fly again, right? And 
um, we'll continue to build features that make their lives uh, better, and we'll just we'll keep doing that. Fortunately, we got um, through April and saw the bottom and started uh, seeing uh, activity uh, recover in the business and general aviation markets. So we call them personal aviation in the business aviation. So um, personal aviation was first, and I think it was, you know, folks like you and I who have, you know, piston airplanes said, I've had enough, I'm going to go fly, right? And so, you know, our family's routine during COVID was every Saturday, Sunday, went down to the hangar, uh, took the DA-40 up, did a few laps. We didn't really have anywhere to go, but... Um, uh, we started seeing that in the data, right? And so I remember thinking, gosh, you know, I want to get out and fly the airplane. I'm going to do that. And then I saw the data and, uh, you know, flight plans filed and flight activities start to rise. Summer was really um, strong. And in August and September, we saw GA activity start to uh, increase uh, uh, and exceed 2019 levels. And so uh, late August, um, you know, the, the Labor Day weekend, uh, and through August, um, we've seen that grow. Piston pilots were first, followed by turboprop pilots. And then uh, in August and September, um, late August and early September, jet traffic um, uh, is measured in terms of IFR uh, flight plane filings exceeded 2019. And we started seeing more logbook entries and more customers recording track logs and, and taking off and landing and that sort of stuff. And that's really encouraging to see. Um, and, you know, GA always gets a little sleepy in the, in the uh, fall, especially in the winter months as certain areas really start to ratchet back when they're flying, you know, Canada and places like that and then, um, start buttoning up airplanes. So we'll see that come back down at the end of the fall. But so far, all those trends are um, looking very much in line with prior, prior years uh, and are at levels above um, uh, historic uh, or at least 2019. And so we're pretty bullish on um, – you know, where things are heading. Uh, it's not going to be as great as 2019, obviously. Um, our business is still growing strong. Um, you know, we didn't have to take any actions, uh, you know, during the pandemic, um, which is, which is great. So the team is at full strength and continuing to deliver and grow in the business. And, um, you know, we've been fortunate that areas like military and business aviation have just been, um, you know, really uh, hungry for the products that we're building. And, uh, you know, that's, that's helped continue to drive uh, the growth and the reinvestment. Right. And, and that makes sense. And of course, since you weren't very reliant on commercial aviation, that protected you quite a little bit. Um, do, do you see a, a, what's happening in terms of any any push in the future, with, especially with your partnership with Boeing and commercial aviation sport? Yeah, so uh, the four flight team actually builds the commercial uh, flight deck application called Flight Deck Pro for the commercial market. Um, that market uh, you know, did come back. Uh, a lot of tails are still flying, though. I mean, a lot of a lot of although passenger traffic down and the volume of flights are down, um, the number uh, of uh, unique airplanes still flying is still very high, right? Um, so, you know, commercial is a very important part of the portfolio. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, we'll do things on the small end that um, deliver more value for the high end, but we're really looking at, you know, how do we share more across the portfolio and how do we drive innovation in, in these different markets? And some of that is, you know, what have we done for general aviation pilots that are is useful to commercial and vice versa? And, you know, the future is super exciting in terms of, you know, things that we'll be delivering uh, for pilots. I can't give any of that away. We have never want to, you know, spoil the surprise there. Um, but the things that I see in development uh, today that are coming out uh, in the coming months is really just uh, mind-blowing. And I think, you know, customers go, well, what's next for Four Flight? And, you know, man, the stuff that we're going to be delivering, you know, in the coming quarters and, and years is um, really something, uh, I think, to be excited about. Um, I know I get to see and play with some of these new things and really look forward to um, having 
the rest of our customers uh, get to experience those. That's that's fantastic. Now you did put a little teaser out there saying during the crisis, especially, you know, when it was at its most challenging, you took the family out to the hangar and got out at the A40. Um, so tell us, you know, what are what are your wings? What's your progression been through some of these different things? What are you, what what have you been flying and what are you flying now? Yes, yeah, so I you know I've had a DE40 for gosh almost eight years, uh, and uh, you know I put a lot of hours on that. That's what we use to just you know fly around uh, the local area um, when we need to move further distances. Um, you know the business uh, has a, a, a Citation Mustang. Uh, you know I fly a, a, an M2 as well, uh, and so that's our that's our transportation. And the progression has really been. Um, and, and the progression is really mapped to the product progression as well of all of you know the leaders of Forflight as they have grown in the types of airplanes uh, that they fly. Um, you know, on the leadership team, we fly everything from pistons and float planes up to uh, turbojet aircraft, right? And so that has really driven the product. But um, you know, I love flying the M2, uh, and and really what I love about you know that is um, getting uh, new experiences and new ratings and really trying to sharpen uh, my skills and, you know, and evolve that. And so, um, you know, I'm really looking forward to over the next year, continuing to expand that, right. I don't have a commercial rating. So, you know, that's something I want to spend some time on. I'd love to learn how to fly helicopters. Um, but, you know, I don't, I don't have anything in particular that's a favorite. I, you know, I just, I really like now at this point, just experiencing all sorts of different, um, you know, types of flying. I, I've done a lot of backcountry flying in the past year that helped shape the product as well. We've got a number of people that are doing that. In the, in the company, uh, and um, you know that helps us deliver a better solution for those pilots as well. But spent a lot of time in a Husky last summer, and, and really enjoyed that. So, so I guess the message here is: if we get Tyson into, uh, in, if you want a certain area to get expanded within four flight, we got to get Tyson involved in that. A little more backcountry flying, a little seaplane flying, whatever we. If, if this is an area that you want, someone, we've someone get on the it. team, you, you got to get someone <laughs> on the team to do it. You know, it's not well, like like I said. I mean, I'm just one voice, you know, in the product development. Uh, but you know, it's the team and all their experiences that um, you know shape it. But you got to have someone on the team that uh, does that, and we're, we're fortunate that. You know, we've got uh, ex-military pilots. We have, you know, former search and rescue uh, helicopter pilots, uh, corporate jet pilots, you know, active, you know, captains in, uh, in airline aircraft. Um, we've, we've got it all. And, and we're fortunate that we have all those perspectives and those voices who, you know, want us to build things that help them out, too. But definitely being in airplanes helps us uh, focus on that particular one. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, it's so great that it, that it, I'll tell you, and anything that has to do with the small uh, uh, to midsize, or now, of course, you're part of an enormous aviation company. The idea that you can stay rooted in that, and that so much of your passion works its way from your daily life and experiences, and things that you're able to do in in aviation, right back into the product, right back into things you do. Um, it just makes it all worthwhile. It's a it's a great journey. I mean, we're really fortunate. Uh, I think a lot of us would say we're fortunate. Um, one to have been introduced to aviation and then been able to find, um, you know, a, a, a career at four flight where, um, we're really part of, you know, driving, uh, innovation for it. We've got lots of you know, job positions open. So you know, go to the website. If you're, if you're looking for something new to do, um, you have to certainly promote that. Um, but there's, uh, you know, lots of things that we're doing, uh, across markets that, um, we need more people to help us out with. Absolutely. Well, I mean, I think uh, certainly after hearing the types of things that you're working on, where you're going with this, a few hints that you dropped along the way, um, uh, I'm sure that more than a few people will be uh, 
dropping their resume <laughs> in in the mail to you to uh, find a way to join the team. And of course, COVID is, uh, has also uh, created a normalcy among a distributed workforce um, that that's opened up doors doors everywhere. And so, um, I just want to say, uh, Tyson, thank you so much for joining us. I mean, there's such such a fantastic story, both both your own. Uh, and of course, that of of Foreflight, everything that that you and uh, the co- your co-founder Jason have done uh, for general aviation is absolutely fantastic. Well, thanks so much. Um, you know, I know it's a challenging time out there, um, so I you know, encourage everyone to just uh, you know stay safe and be well. And um, hopefully, we can all come together uh, at a show here in the in the near future and uh, yes, yeah, celebrate being together. Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, There is, you know, again, to everyone, check it out because uh, we want to be, of course, with Social Flight, your actual mission to fly, find out where and the why you do it, and then uh, get out there and fly. And when you do it, you'll be able to do that with Flight and uh, find your your way to your destination safely, weather, and also with safe social practices along the way. So again, Tyson, thank you so, so much for joining us here on Social Flight Live. And thank you to everyone else who's joined us and taken time out of their evening for this show. Now, next Tuesday, as always at 8 p.m. Eastern time, we will be back with, in this case, Barry and Brian Schiff. And uh, uh, for those of us that, that grew up, of course, uh, love seeing amazing videos from Barry uh, along the way, um, it's really fantastic. I, I remember one where he landed a, a Cessna using just the doors and trim and showed you all sorts of crazy things. And, and so we're going to have him on the show. Uh, following that on October 6th, Richard Van Grunswin, uh, the uh, founder of Vans Aircraft, will be joining us. And we've got so many more things coming up with our T-51 build behind us. A night for that. And Mike Bush will be back on October 20th. So with that, again, Tyson, thank you so, so much for your time and for everyone else for their time tonight on Social Flight Live. Until next time, blue skies. Blue skies.